Hello and welcome back to TRSI, The Right Side. It's the 22nd of July. I'm Michael Dwyer and I am joined today on a dull and dark day, so far anyway, by my friend and colleague Gary Kavanagh. Gary, how's life? Well, it's not dull and dark, Michael. It's actually pretty good here. Very good. Well, Are you have perhaps having some sort of depressive episode? You think this is a sort of inverted form of the pathetic fallacy where I'm imposing my feelings on the weather. And no, it's it's pretty sort of dullish and darkish here, but I'm sure it'll get better. We're promised I loved <laughs> I did genuinely I thought this was really good. I get these notifications on my phone from and the two obviously like everybody else from news stories. And it's either the Times usually it's either the Times or the Mirror. Very different styles. I find the mirror quite refreshing, but every time it's a story on weather and it's very often a story on weather, it's it's Soar is the verb they use. <laughs> Temperatures this week are to soar to 20 and 21 degrees, which I'm sure would be very impressive to our friends in the Mediterranean, where at the moment, I was talking to a chap yesterday, he was saying he was in the Canaries, and it was 41 degrees. So soaring, uh, it's uh, all depends on how you look at it, I suppose. Anyway, we're going to have a quick flick through some stories that have uh, out there at the moment, um, the leaving cert, uh, how it's going on and how it's going to get there. And Norma Foley settling into a job and she'd be left with some odd stuff on her plate from her. Well, whether it's the minister for the department is another question. A waitress cut her little finger and has got 50 grand. And we wonder if this maybe is why burgers have become so expensive in Dublin. In the United States, there's only six weeks to go before the first vote is cast. And Nancy Pelosi has started talking about the Trump virus. But, and most uh, extraordinarily of all, who could have thought it? Fine Gael climb higher in the polls, while Fine Gael slump to 12%, or if you take the dot nose out, 9%. Leo Varadkar is the most popular man in Ireland since the Lord Jesus. And is also perceived as having done an absolutely bang-up job on COVID-19. So there you go. Gary, let's start off with the story about the waitress. She's She was working, yeah, which is always, I suppose that's maybe the dangerous thing, working with a glass. And as we know, glass can shatter and break, go all over the place. It can slash and gash. And unfortunately, that seems to be what happened in this case. But she got fifty thousand euro in re- in return from the court. Well, it might be more accurate to say that uh, she cost the business fifty thousand. Her actual damages were only twenty five thousand. Uh-huh. But the uh, fifty thousand figure is the damages plus legal costs. But yes, Michael, I, this is a dangerous area. We often see ads for the harm the farm machinery can do. The risk of your father not coming home because he's died in a pit of slurry. Too often we neglect the silent killer in all of our homes. Wine glasses. You know, I I think that this is something that the government has been very, very neglectful of, Gary. I can't remember the last time we had a really good public information film on the danger of wine glasses. The proper way to hold them, carry them, and wash them. I think... I just don't like to think, actually, about the number of horrendous accidents and possible fatalities, Gary, through desanguination that are occurring 
year in, year out in Ireland because people don't know about the correct way to handle the uh, glassware. When we when we look at how the judge talked about this, I think we can see the, the real need for greater greater education on yeah. this. He gave the 25000 because he said that it, he was satisfied that uh, there was no training provided, and there should have been, that that woman should have been trained <laughs> to clean a glass. And because she didn't, it was appropriate to charge the restaurant 25000 And I mean, given the given the immense danger that people all over this country find themselves in when they have to clean their own wine glasses. I think that's only fair. That's fantastic. Just for the sake of it, she was, she was what, washing a glass or washing or drying a glass when this happened, was it? She, yeah, she was, um, she was drying a wine right. glass. And her entire case rested on the fact she had, uh, she showed them a photograph in which she was holding the base of the wine glass in one hand and polishing the top of the glass with her other hand in a sort of twist and turn fashion. Okay. And the, the stem snapped. Whereas, as we all know, the appropriate way is cupping the bowl of the glass in one hand with the polishing cloth in the other. Well, Gary, I have to tell you, actually, that when you read that out, I've just had shivers throughout my spine because I have actually dried wine glasses it exactly the same way. When you described that, that really horrified me. Several, I mean, I would have to say, up to often, I have had a glass in the, held at the base and dried the glass with the cloth. And you, no, you should, I mean, I'm just having a sense of how close did I come to this kind of accident? Oh, yes, because you did own a wine shop for a while. Uh, yes, and I have indeed drunk some wine. Yeah. Is the the poor woman who this happened to, who received roughly you know, the average pay in a year for this, was left with a small scar. Uh, Do we know how many? It came very close to the nerves. Close to the nerves. Didn't come to the nerves, but close to the nerves. What about stitches? Do we have any information on stitches? We don't. We don't. Now, unfortunately, Michael, not all. People involved could admit the clear and present danger which glassware is to everyone. Yeah. I mean, they're really killing machines. Not really machines, but killing object to art. Uh, the, the restaurant that this happened in did make the point that there is no training program uh, certified to stop you from killing yourself with a glass. Possibly because it's just never come up before. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's a truth that I'm, I'm in my head thinking, what, what would that consist of? Because you'd have to, uh, you could make, could you make a day's course? I remember many years ago, for reasons of not details we don't need to go into, I had to do um, a, a certification course, which was one a health and safety course. To, uh, it wasn't one of the two-hour things. It was involved, I think, seven or eight days going up and down to a hotel in Dublin, sitting in a room with people. And then you pass. And I remember. I do remember thinking at the time that this was the coming business certification in health and safety. There are so many of them. It's fantastic, and they're absolutely useless. There's a. For, if you're say you're involved, you're a truck driver or something. You have to do. 
uh, you have to do a day it's on a module. I think it's a different one, and you have to do it every year over five years. And all that happens, really, people pay 50 quid, and you get 100 people into a room, and they sleep or they play on their phones, and somebody stands at the top of the room. And But the thing has been done. The, the, connect, the actual connection between increased or better safety and these things is purely notional. Are you aware of the thing called... Uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on the name now. It, is it a safety plan? Every... Safe no, pass? No, no, safe pass is different thing. Although safe pass is good stuff as well. Safe pass, one of the things they do is show you how to carry a, a brown box from one side of the room to the other. No, it's... Uh, what it basically is, is every tradesman, if you're working on a site or, a, or, or on a job, you have to have your own... It's a bound book about uh, safety procedures so say if you're as you might be in the future building a house and you're using different you're using different tradesmen you have to retain in the office say whoever's doing it say the quality search for air will have to get a copy of the safety safety statement that's it the safety statement from each of these each of the tradesmen and then i i will need to have a copy on the site there will have to be something like uh, they often use the, the you know a brown plastic bin with a lid. It has to be something you can seal and is protected from the weather. And you deposit a copy of it in there. And I remember one time working, uh, giving a, a a friend a handout with uh, some uh, admins. So I was in the office a bit, and all these chaps were coming in with their safety statements. And just curiosity, I I asked everyone that came in, had they ever read their safety statement? Uh, the response to which was slightly amused, what the fuck are you on? But it was a thing at the time, this is back in, in boomo, boom days, people were paying anywhere between a few, three, four hundred quid and some into the thousands for a safety statement because you had to have one didn't actually have to do it it made absolutely no difference to the safety of anybody but it had become a box tick exercise and uh, so you're saying even if i don't care if the people building this house live or die i need to say absolutely statement. well they will need safety statements and if you're involved in yeah i feel that's not my concern yeah well if if the building inspector comes on site and you don't have all the safety statements in the safe and secure and dry space, then you'll be in trouble. Now, <laughs> just have some bricks dropped off. The, the good news is, while there are millions of regulations, I exaggerate slightly. There are very few safe. There are very few building inspectors, so the chances of anybody ever actually coming down to the site are very small indeed. But I'm curious, how is it? it we're being a little bit uh, funny, but the fact, well, we're trying to be. Glasses are a menace to society. You, if this is the case, you are going to see, I, we, somebody is going to start to do a course on handling glassware, on packing and unpacking a dishwasher. I mean, for example, if you go, if you're working in the FX Buckley's, and you're handling steak knives, you know, which have very pointy bits at the end. What happens if you put your hand down just to grab some? 
and you, because nobody ever told you not to shove your hand into a knife drawer. Probably make about 50 grand. But no, no, I think glass, the, the real issue here is glass. If the Mesopotamians could look at these sort of things, if they, if they when they first started making glass, they had known, they wouldn't have. You think it's a bit like the atomic bomb and Oppenheimer. <clears throat> had he known, he would have said, no, let's not do it. No, I think we just would have committed ritual suicide out of despair of the future. Speaking of despairing about the future, the Leaving Cert results are have been postponed. And one of the reasons they have been postponed is apparently the fact that there are <coughs> some glitches have been de- have developed in the predictive grading system. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, there have been a number of glitches already. I mean, for example, Gary, I don't know if you noticed some of the stories about people, and not just not to say anything, but we, when we heard about the predictive grading, we said this the first minute. Uh, boys and girls around the country who had done subjects by themselves and did them completely by themselves now will not receive any kind of a grade. There was there was one instance of a, of a, of a boy who had done two subjects extra, which suggests to me a bit of a swat. However, in one of the subjects, he had had a couple of grinds. Now, the teacher who had given him the grinds, was allowed to give him a predicted grade. And I don't know about you, Gary, but you know, if I'm given if I'm given out a couple of grinds, it doesn't cost me anything. I I've a I've a I've a feeling that I'm going to be giving a fairly decent mark to that guy. However, for the other subject which he received no grinds at all, uh, the implication being that this was a subject he was doing pretty well in, he will receive no marks. It's homeschoolers. Were you homeschooled, Gary? I was not homeschooled. Do you regret that? No, I I don't regret anything about my childhood. That's very good, very healthy. Actually, I don't really regret anything at all. Mm, That's a bit more worrying. But maybe, maybe that's just, maybe perfectly justifiable. Do you have any crippling regrets about your childhood? Oh, God, Gary, let's not start. Really. But if you're homeschooled, tough nuggies, as our friends across the Atlantic like to say, because you ain't getting anything. Parents are not in a position, they are not allowed, to uh, to give predictive grades, even if they were, if they were the, the, the principal educators responsible. So while we keep hearing the mantra, well, I trust my parents, We apparently, I trust teachers, rather. We, we, we apparently don't trust parents. One of the things that's caused a little bit of a hoo-ha, Gary, a little bit of a brouhaha, is the... the Minister Foley, now, and we should make the point, this is obviously something which was on her desk when she walked in. It's not her idea. From what we hear, it's not also, very much not also, the idea, that an idea coming out of the Chief Examiner's Office, but rather something which has been lurking deep in the belly of the department, is the idea that the uh, exam results should be corrected for demographics, economic deprivation and gender and other such things. On the face of it, that sounds like the beginning of many very fine lawsuits to help our struggling barrister community along, Gary. And it's important that we help those less fortunate than ourselves, Michael. Like the rest of the EU, or barristers. (laughs) Yeah, you're referring, I imagine, to the 
that fine the, we got it, fine piece of news that a deal has been done in Europe about the uh, a, a, a deal was done as I read in the Irish Times they had a very detailed explanation of the deal unfortunately it somehow seemed to slip through their notice that as part of the deal Ireland had taken on to pay an additional sixteen billion over the entire term. Though. Yeah, that's it's funny you should mention that because if you if you scan say the Examiner or the Independent, you will also fail to find that information. Another thing that they don't seem to be willing, or key, not willing, keen on telling. So they obviously just simply it's probably not much news is that we are now going to be, uh, according to some estimates, and you know, there is doubt about this because figures you know, come and go and change and evolve like Taoiseach, we will be the fifth largest contributor uh, in Europe fall, uh, behind Germany, France, the Netherlands and Sweden, I think. And our figure seems rather high, even when you when, when you consider that we only represent one percent of the population of Europe. The our our our, uh, our chipping in is rather more. Now, I rather liked the fact that uh, the the comment from Europe Minister Mister Byrne, who I'm sure was delighted to be talking about Europe uh, rather than say, for example. Driving licenses. Driving licenses, or how long he thinks he has before Barry Cohen, uh, Cowan just you know, tracks him down and beats him to a pulp. And if that does happen, uh, we'd hope that somebody would catch it on film. Because. I am sure, Michael, if, if it happens, there will be many people who will watch it on film so that they can commiserate with Mr. Byrne due to his deep and abiding popularity. And well acknowledged, finely tuned social graces. Yes, thank God, thank God that kind of thing does. It may happen in other countries and other other jurisdictions and other parliamentary parties, but thank God, not in Ireland and not in Vienna. Fall you would do this. So anyway, he was pointing out that we were going to be getting, oh, I don't know, was it one point two seven billion in the first two years from the COVID thing. Yeah, except. Everything we get, we'll have to pay back, and we will be giving, again, we'll be net, net contributors to the COVID fund. But I suppose the thing is, Gary, if it, you know, we have to accept that it's a union, and everybody in difficulty comes, you know, the, the more wealthy countries come in and help those. In the same way as they bailed us out and paid off our debts when we had the crash back then, you know. It wasn't like they insisted that the Irish taxpayer assume a hundred percent responsibility for paying out the uh, paying off the the bondholders and saving the European banking system, particularly the German regional banks. That at least that didn't happen. I did quite like the um, I think it was the journals' coverage of it, where they basically and it was it was it was actually very impressive. They did little. Uh, explainer of the the recovery fund and one of the questions was is Ireland a net contributor to the recovery fund and the answer was yeah. no not for the moment anyway <laughs> I saw that yeah and then afterwards said well, well we have to pay this uh, well, we have to back the money 
I said, yes, eventually. And it's a wonderful way of saying it because it's, it's true in the same way. If I were to take out a mortgage and hadn't started repaying it yet, I was not a net contributor to that mortgage. <laughs> yes, very much like that. I mean, like, that's either incredibly stupid or very deliberate phrasing. But I, I loved it. I, I was a, it was a it was a real Irish media moment. You know, I, I, I have to ask the question: Why? Why are they taking this oddly convoluted silence about this? I mean. They must see their job in some way as journalists to inf- to inform the public. There are perfectly decent reasons why, after many, many years of being a net recipient, Ireland should now be a net contributor. And certainly the reasons are fine and dandy within the context of the EU and what the EU is about. It's not a, a, a controversial thing. The Germans have been net contributors since such, such things began. And, and God, can you imagine the amount of money the Germans have pump, pumped into this project over the years? I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're right, there's strong arguments for why Ireland should be a net contributor. There's also strong arguments for why our GDP figures are fucking us at this point. Like, we're paying a massively disproportionate amount of money into this thing because of our GDP. The thing about it is there won't be a debate about it and there won't in fact be a conversation about it. And looking at the media coverage of it, it won't even be mentioned. And where, I mean, to write an explainer of this and to say that Ireland is not a net contributor to the fund, when Ireland on a per capita basis is one of the greatest contributors to the fund in this obviously deceptive fashion, is total nonsense. It's just going to happen and we will have no discussion about it because you can't have discussion about actually important things in Ireland. I did like me seeing Michal Martin come back and do his little a deal for our oh time. Oh, God, yeah. It was an attempt, an attempt to, to be a cross between Albert Reynolds and uh, Chamberlain coming back from Berlin. And it had all of the, <laughs> which maybe wasn't why you should have been going. There, there was that. Like, oh, I've come back with money. Like, no, yeah, no, you what? No, you have. No, you have. You've come back with an. You've cost us money. You've come back with an invoice. That's what you've come back with. Albert came back with eleven billion. Michal, I think, coming back with us being one of the highest contributors to the recovery fund, I think, was displaying the sort of you know negotiating tactics and and standards that saw Fianna Fáil being blessed with both health and housing. Well, yes. <laughs> in the recent government formation talks. One of the things that was a, a source of great concern to all the journalists was even nobody was particularly bothered talking about the, the amount of money that we were actually going to end up paying. The carry-on of Mr. Orban was something that was weighing very, very heavily on their minds. Yes, it was. The, their, their ability to focus on Orban while systemically failing to acknowledge that China has any sort of strategy outside of its own country uh, borders is uh, really, really speaks well of the EU. Uh, yeah, that's that's also true. But the, the, the sense that uh, oh, 
the, the sense that we're being given about China, the strong sense of, oh, oh no, no, moving, moving quickly along, there's nothing to see here. When, for fundamentally the reason is that, what would we do without China? Where would we, what would we, where would we get our cheap plastics? Where would we get our cheap telephones? And maybe you get to a point where you think, this maybe is now turned into a slightly more abusive marital relationship than we first thought it was going to be. That where the Chinese now have just become so inured and so confident that maybe, maybe the man in Washington, the orange man, will do something, but nobody else will. But uh, speaking of the orange man in Washington, it's only six weeks to go for the first vote. Isn't that incredible? I, have you noticed that it would rather joyfully? Nancy Pelosi is now calling the COVID-19 the Trump virus. So uh, you can't call it the Wuhan virus. You can't call it the Chinese virus, but you can call it the Trump virus. Now, I think it's a very, very sensible thing for Nancy to do. There is a, wide, a widespread perception that Donald hasn't handled this particularly well in the United States. I think much it's even stronger outside it. But can, I, th- I don't think Europeans get the, the extent to which the United States is genuinely a federal system, though. No, they don't. Euro- Europeans understand very little about America. De Blasio has hardly covered himself in glory and he's the standard one of the standard bearers at least of the American progressive left the evolution of of, uh, the attitude to this in the states is and not just the states either but here but particularly the states towards you know this is not a big deal this is not a big deal oh my god this is the end of the world don't wear a mask don't wear a mask masks are actually bad for you Masks, masks will kill people. Masks uh, will cause contamination. To now, everybody wear a mask. It, you, you, and that's on both sides of the, the of the of the political divide in the United States, but particularly on on the left. I don't know, Gary. Have you noticed this thing amongst our own anti-maskers? Now, I would point out that we have been pro-mask since when it wasn't fashionable. Back when the WHO and other people were saying not to wear masks, we were part of the great. You were, we were part of the big mask push. Yes, yes. Back when, back when that was the counter government position. I noticed that. that a lot of our own anti-maskers here, regarding their, <laughs> I think this is great stuff, as a knockdown argument, right? If you say that, uh, if masks were that good, why weren't we told? to use them back in March when they might have done so good. Why is it only now when the uh, infection is almost gone? Are we, and as I, I, I pointed out, one chap, one chap making this argument to me, he said, what you're asking me is why the Irish government did something wrong. And I, sh- I think that shows a, a touching faith in the competency of the Irish government and the Irish, the Irish civil service. I have enjoyed the way people are talking about mask wearing now and how it's it's part of a conspiracy to remove your rights and lads the irish government can barely run itself like it, it's not running a conspiracy it couldn't it just physically no. couldn't this is just can you imagine the irish government planning the pandemic oh no 
I mean, if they had tried to do that, that would have ended with somehow a failing, but everyone involved getting <laughs> infected with something. And no one quite sure how it had happened, but maybe it's like a, been mailed yeah. in the wrong place. And a fairly good chance that what was supposed to be a fairly innocuous made up in some lab virus would actually have turned into the most savage, lethal hemorrhagic virus known to man and then it would all be revealed because they had put a catering company on the <laughs> yeah and attached them to the to the email that a, a, a link chain of me emails anyway for whatever reasons leo the leo by the ceo leo has enormous respect and love about amongst the people people who are died in the world anti-blue shirters think he has done a fantastic job. He is the most popular Taoiseach ever. And Fianna Fáil are on 12% in the polls, or 9% when you strip out the don't knows. And it's all a bit dismal, considering they're now in government, which nobody ever believed they would be. Well, nobody. Me all believed. Me all believed. I don't know if we said they wouldn't be. I think we said they shouldn't be. Although we probably said they wouldn't be out of some sort of faith in our fellow man, which... You know, absolutely. At a certain point, you have to sort of put your hands up. No, I'm asking this question, and I know nobody would believe me, but I'm actually asking genuinely, am I missing something here? When I'm told that I, the Irish government uh, has done this bang-up job with uh, COVID. We have, if you look at the, the numbers, there are nine countries in Europe, and when I say countries, that includes San Marino and Andorra. There are nine countries in Europe that have a higher rate of death than Ireland, per, when you look at the numbers per million. There are 51 countries in Europe, and we are doing better than nine of them. We are doing much, much worse than around 35 of them, because I mean, you don't actually have to go down very far in the, the lists to see like a big drop. If you go down five spaces below us, in Europe, that is, one, two, five. You're down to Luxembourg, which is 177 deaths per million, as opposed to our 354 per million. I mean, we're not doing... I. It seems to me we're not doing that well. Also, considering the putative advantages that you have as an island, the fact that we are an island on the West Coast... We actually had time. We saw what was happening in Spain. We saw what was happening in Italy. We were getting the information. We were we weren't dealing with this as one of the first countries. We had actually a little bit of time. We had a, we had the opportunity. We had information that other people had, and we still end up in the situation that we're in. And what am I missing, Gary? Why why do people think? This government has done such a fantastic job. Because it is the government, and people have no idea what they're talking about. But then again, where would they receive any framework to know what they're talking about? Like The Irish media is not going to publish an article that just says, actually, when you look at the maths, the Irish government isn't doing great. Not bottom of the table, not like the corner with a dunce hat on, but like, not great. And we have many advantages that should have meant we did better because we're in Ireland. Yeah, in Ireland, as I said, we came we came to the party relatively speaking late. It's uh, that should we had a certain amount of time. 
I also like the idea that um, when people started bringing up that it wasn't going it wasn't going terribly good earlier, and the, the common response was basically, "Well, we're just so good at counting." Yeah, we're, we're so counting really counting. well, really hard counting. And then when you look at a couple of other countries like uh, England and some of the Nordic countries, they were just counting everyone as a uh, as a COVID nineteen death. If you had ever had COVID nineteen or suspected of having COVID nineteen, and you were hit by a bike, you were going down as a COVID nineteen death, even if you had, in the interim, totally recovered. So it turns out that everyone was actually, well, not everyone. But a number of the other countries were also, if anything, counting even better. Well, we know than that us. that's true because there was actually the case where, the uh, in Florida, I think it was, was it where, uh, and the sheriff was being interviewed and said about there had been two COVID cases. And, uh, did they feel that these had uh, affected, had the COVID in any way affected their uh, their death or the con- con- context of their death? Which he said, well, not the last guy. He was hit by a motorcycle. <laughs> And that's actually true. The, the uh, one of the guys was, he had had COVID. I think three, two, three months previously had recovered, and then was hit by a motorcycle, died, and it was listed as a COVID death. Like, okay, there may be all sorts of reasons going on here, but we're at three fifty four deaths. Slovakia, which is right bang in the middle. I mean, it is middle Europe has five deaths per million. Five, Gary. Slovenia, I'm looking at the S's here obviously now because Slovenia has 55, Serbia has 56. Why shouldn't we be compared to these other countries, these other less developed, less wealthy countries? The man have seen to manage this. Slovakia and Czech Republic is worth passing, or noting in on pass or in passing. Uh, were the only two countries in Europe that actually, from March, you start a mask, a mandatory mask ban. So there you go. It's I know you. I take your point. Obviously, the media aren't going to. Well, I don't know why they wouldn't. But it's apparently the case that the media isn't interested in drawing comparisons between what we're doing here and other countries. They're passionately interested in looking at what's happening in Brazil and in the United States. Why? What? What? What's that? I don't listen. Leave it. But uh, right now, Leo's in the happy position that he's tarnished. He can go off to West Clare and have a holiday. Look at Michal. <laughs> really take it uh, from Europe. Go through what the nightmare is going to be of opening up the schools. Do you think they'll open the schools on time and in sh- on schedule? At this point, I'd say they're equally likely to open on time as they all are to mysteriously burn down for a period of two nights. <laughs> but that would be a solution, wouldn't it? That is thinking outside the box, you know what? Which is always useful when no one has started to think inside the box. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of thinking going on in, in the box at the minute. No, that's an idea. Burn down the schools. Then you'd be like, well, you know, what can we do? Uh, mm-hmm. The It's going to be a funny term, which and whether, because... You're going to be taught by a teacher behind a welder's mask, which is, will be an experience. The Leaving Cert exam, Gary, is going to go ahead sometime in November. So they're going to have to find buildings and space for that to happen in. And they're talking up to 20%, we'll see. But up to 20% of students are going to actually sit an exam, depending on the state, state of the, the vaccine, of the of the virus at that stage. 
there's a very real danger that they make they won't be able to close schools which they normally would be able to use school buildings so they're going to have to find alternatives and they're going to have to find alternatives in the locale because you're not going to be able to say to kids okay we found a place for you to do it but it's 16 miles or 20 miles away because some people just wouldn't be able to go so that's going to be a problem then they're going to be correcting it's going to have to be corrected and it's going to have to be supervised and normally these are things done by teachers but note having gone back to school the last thing in the world you want to do is have to have gone half time because you're losing your staff to exam related activities so it's all going to be very big it's going to be good fun there and it won't none of these exams will matter until next year anyway you won't be able to use them for this year we will be back on air happy and communicative uh, on friday well unless we're doing something else on friday i never know these things i am not i am not uh, consulted will we be back gary or will we be having will we be doing something else I don't know, Michael. I'll have to consult the iTunes. Consult the iTunes, but not on live, because I know a lot of people have said to me they were a little bit disturbed by the power of the iTunes. And, you know, that if we're going to do that again, we should at least put a trigger warning up. The iTunes certainly are very impressive. I'm going to get myself some of those iTunes. Well, I think I think we can, if people are disturbed, see the raw workings of it. I think we can be trusted to, without uh, bias or attempts to curry favours, Reveal the truths revealed to us by the I Ching. Effectively like some sort of divination-based middleman. <laughs> A divination cattle dealer, yeah. Anyway, we'll be back on Friday. So until then, mind yourself, keep safe. And goodbye for now. <laughs>